I think uh, many of you know him as uh, Uncle Sam, I hear him uh, referred to, and um, I'm really excited to have him uh, share with us. I want to tell you a little bit about it, I'll just, true or false, if uh, stop me if anything I say is false, okay? Born and raised in the Philippines, true? True. Okay. Uh, began ministry in the Philippines in the 1960s, working with prisoners and also with drug dealers and their families. True. Were you one of the drug dealers? Not. No, no you were okay. It was too expensive. <laughs> uh, 1975, came to San Jose with Youth for Christ as a missionary uh, to San Jose, particularly working with high school students. Uh, was ordained as a minister uh, of the church on the hill in 1977. True? Yes. All kinds of different ministries uh, over the years. Uh, developed a passion for uh, immigrants in the Bay Area from the Philippines and also from everywhere else. Yes. Uh, 1983 became a church planter to first-generation immigrants, which grew up into, and I always struggle, Bayanihan? Bayanihan. Bayanihan. Am I it's close? not Baha'i. No, Baya. It's not Baha'i. Not Baha'i. Yeah. What he said. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and a couple years ago, uh, they, they joined um, our church, and, uh, um, and we love to have them. So if you're ever looking for free uh, Filipino food, uh, right over there across the courtyard, and you guys bring a lot of food uh, every, every time, so it's really great. False, the other one. Oh, what's, what? Three years. Three years. We've been Three here. Years. Awesome. So um, frequent, uh, he frequently gets invited to uh, be a speaker uh, in the area on the topic of domestic violence, domestic violence uh, prevention. Uh, I'm really excited to have uh, Pastor Sam preach. Uh, I know you'll be blessed. Uh, I have always enjoyed talking with him. and I've been wanting to have him preach for a long time, and I waited until there was a topic I wanted to get out of. Uh, and so your theme today, why would God allow pain and suffering? Uh, I got to talk about the arguments for God uh, last week, and this week there's a, there's a, one of the main arguments against God. If there was a God, why would, there, why would he allow pain yes. and suffering? I looked at the list of questions with you at the beginning of the series and, uh, or, or, as we were preparing for it, and you looked at that question and you said, that's, that's my question because that's my life. Mm. Um, and uh, we're really excited to, to hear from you. So. I, uh, I am going to give you the hard question, but I will pray for you before I, before I leave you. Lord, thank you so much for Pastor Sam and just all he means to this church. And I just pray that you would uh, be with him and, and just put your, your peace and power uh, and presence on him right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you understand that I'm sitting because I was kind of losing my balance there. I only had two hours of sleep last night because I drank too much coffee so that I could drive from Patterson to here last night, and they reduced the four lanes of 680 to one. So I was like in a parking lot for half an hour. So if I fall asleep or pass out, the notes are here, someone can read it, <laughs> okay? Today we are continuing our seven week series called Explore God. During the series, we are joining about 170 churches in the Bay Area to explore seven of the biggest questions. And believe it or not, the questions most asked when they did a research or a survey around the U.S., the one most asked was about suffering. And he's trying to punish me, I guess. Because this is very difficult. Because You know why it's very difficult for me? Because I was a victim of uh, early childhood trauma, domestic violence, 
And I was also a victim of the deluding temptation to believe in the books of Karl Marx and Hegel when I was in high school. I actually entertained communism and socialism as a very good alternative because I was uh, really kind of in despair by the time I was in high school because I was starting to feel all the effects of my early trauma by then. My name is Sam Kema. Kema is the Spanish word for burning. And in uh, Tagalog, it's Lumiliab. So if some of you would like to find me in Facebook, my name in Facebook is Lu, L-O-U, Miliab. That means I'm on fire. I could be a burn too. Yeah. And I so appreciate Sue. She was in uh, Gunderson High School, but before she came in, I was the first Christian counselor of Campus Life to walk into that prison. <laughs> it looked like a prison. I call the people sons of Gunder. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, they had no paint in the walls. It was just like, golly, you know, why did they do this? But uh, thank God for Mark Simmons because uh, early April of 2020, I was walking around this uh, campus feeling like Joshua, walking around hoping that the walls would fall down. <laughs> because in 1980, I, I was here asking the Lord if this was a place for me to serve because Milpitas has the largest Filipino population, uh, the largest in Milpitas, and add on Berryessa and the rest of the valley. This valley is infested with Filipinos. <laughs> There's too many of us around here. Okay. Some of you have no idea where I have been in 70 years. 22 of that was spent in the 7,640 islands called the Pearl of the Orient. Oh, I forgot. I was going to show you a shell that was empty and then a shell that uh, started having pearls. And I will end up with that illustration anyway. Born to a family of 11, the first child died during the war. Then my mother had the, the gal to adopt another one. I grew up with six sisters. It was torturous. <laughs> I don't understand women. So I said, I am not going to marry at all. But then I was a speaker in a youth camp. And every time I looked at the right, there was a lady there that was kind of glowing like the moon, you know. Who is that? And thank God I didn't have to come close to her because she came to me. And I thought I was good looking, but not really. She said, Pastor Sam, while you were preaching, 21 of our kids from the little uh, barrio that I started a Bible study went forward to accept Christ. And I don't know how to explain to them how to accept Christ. So could you spend time with them? I spent about... 45 minutes with the, girl, the kids and I forgot that one of the girls that was there, I was going to ask her to marry me. Someone else. 
But I spent that whole night with this beautiful lady who uh, came from the United States as a scholar. She's a nurse. And uh, I was a newscaster back then. And I just, do you believe in first uh, love at first bite? No, uh, love at first sight? That happened to me. It actually happens. And uh, I forgot about my decision to, to be single all my life. Ah, I remember many times when my dad would try to discipline me because I was the, the angry child. I was the, uh, uh, the, the dark, what do you call them? The dark sheep of the family. He would come home drunk and get very upset with me because I would kind of like chastise him. Because why do you come home so late? You're never home. And uh, he would get all upset. He would pick up a big piece of wood or a metal rod or even use his buckle to beat me. And one night I was crying in a corner in the library of our home saying, I thought you were a good God. Why am I suffering and I haven't even done any of the crimes that I'm supposed to commit? I am so angry. I wanted to, like the kids here in this valley, act out my anger and my rebellion. In high school, like I said, I was seduced by communism and socialism. But I went to a youth camp at 16. That's why you should always send your kids to youth camp. For the first time, some speaker spoke about the love of God. And it actually made sense to me because I never felt loved. My mom was hardly home because she was a businesswoman. She went from island to island. And we were millionaires. And, but we were kind of lonely because our dad did not act like a dad. He was acting like a teenager. I call him the extended adolescent. Uh, I began my journey of faith, and even though before this, I was suicidal. But one day, I finally opened my mind and my heart to the possibility of trusting God again. All kids, they trust God until... They pick up from television and from their friends. There is no God. It's okay. You can do your own thing. I prayed, Lord, if you would allow me to be useful in your kingdom, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I went to Bible college, became my youth worker, started ministering to drug dealers. No one visited them. Back then, they were treating the drug dealers like animals. They had no roof. The floor was uh, the ground, and it was usually muddy, and no one cared about them. And I said, you know, that's the best place to start practicing how to preach. People complain to me about my long sermons, so I would like to prepare you for this. I learned how to preach. I would prepare a 30-minute sermon, and the, and the prisoners would say, is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I prepared for. Well, give us more. So I would go on and on for three hours. And I got comfortable. 
oh dear. <laughs> I also became a newscaster for the third largest radio station in the world. I worked with Russians, with Chinese. We were importing small Bibles to China and to Russia and give them a, a, a magnifying glass so they could read it. Later, I was asked to come to the United States by Campus Life in 1975 to work in Lincoln High School, Los Gatos High, Pioneer, Del Mar, uh, Lee High School, looking for kids like me, delinquents, the drug dealers, the drug addicts. In fact, I wore my hair long so they wouldn't be afraid of me. But the guys that would kind of like go around school trying to figure out if the kids are in would come to me and say, what are you doing here? I says, uh, don't you know who I am? The principal asked me to be here. Go back to your school. And he was pointed to the junior high school. And I was 22 then. No wonder I look like this. Look at me, 70. Oh, okay. By the way, uh, your town, Milpitas, has 63.2 Asian population. That was a few years ago, so I don't know what happened by now. And 28.31% of that Asian population is Filipino. So Sister Luz, who helped me start the Filipino outreach 40 years ago, we feel very strategically placed here in this church because the harvest is white. By any hand, look at all those pictures. Aren't we beautiful? Look at that. This is part of that, and there's another one. Um, did you not take the other one? Okay, the one we had with Ninong, Mark Simmons. Oh, that's my parents. That's the, the, the 10 children without the adopted one. Okay. Here in Milpitas, we're known as Bayanihan. The word Bayanihan means working together as a team for a common dream. We want you to join us, partner with us, to reach the newly arrived refugees and immigrants of Silicon Valley. You know why I like this church? First, you have good-looking pastors. You know? <laughs> it's nice to be kind of like listening to people who are good-looking. It doesn't have to be like, oh, do I have to endure this? Okay. But, they're young enough to be my children. This, this good boy. <laughs> if I had my child, as soon as I got married, he would be my son. In fact, he didn't wear his shirt today that matches us. Yeah, I like him. We, I like this church because you sing the word. And that young man over here, I could worship the Lord when he's on singing. I don't know what it is. Something about him. Uh, you sing the word, you teach the word, you preach the word, you share the word. You're all wordy. And uh, that's why I like being here. Okay, what is our strategy? We give cake, C-A-K-E. Calculated acts of kindness to encourage people. We want to encourage them to thrive 
and survive in high-tech Silicon Valley. Our life group meets over there at the fireside room and there's always some food, okay? You can always come, but don't all come together because we have a little room and usually we have enough food for about 15, 20 people. But if you, tell, if you call me Saturday, you tell me I'll cook some more, okay? We meet there, we reflect on the sermon, we share testimonies, encourage scripture verses, and pray together each Sunday. And uh, please bring all your Filipino friends, neighbors, workmates, and strangers, and your Filipino enemies. Okay? There's some of them there. Okay? Bring them so we can share God's love. Today's question, what does... What is, or if there is, a God, why is that good God allowing all these terrible things to happen? Why does God allow pain and suffering? Habakkuk. When I was a teenager, I thought that was the first Coca-Cola commercial. Habakkuk. Have a Coke. He was a Jewish prophet living in the mid-77th century. In the final decades of Israel, now we are going through another Israel something. The southern kingdom was destroyed by Babylon, including Yerushalayim. I was there. I've seen Jerusalem. It was a time of idolatry and injustice in Israel, but unlike other prophets, his book is not about calling people to repentance. His book is about his complaints to God. Habakkuk uh, instead addressed his book to God and the documents portray his personal struggle to believe that God is good when there is so much pain and suffering in the world around him. His short book starts with these desperate words. By the way, that beautiful lady that uh, um, read the song of David. I actually believe that was what Jesus was singing at the cross. Here, Habakkuk is complaining. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil de deeds? Why must I watch all this misery and wherever I look, destruction and violence. I was watching a news last night of the destruction and violence in Gaza Strip. What Habakkuk was saying sounds like 2023. Like Habakkuk, you and I struggle to answer those questions. But as we continue on this journey to explore God together, I want to suggest for a moment that you and I set aside the why question. I don't intend to answer the why because I couldn't find any why in the Bible, okay? Instead, why don't we focus on the where, which is the more realistic and practical question. Where is God in the middle of my pain and my suffering? Can we find God in our darkest moments, in our deepest despair. 
I came here to encourage you this morning to consider a course of action. A course is like a park course. You go from step one exercise to the second exercise. I did park course for many years. I lived by the Los Gatos area, the, the river there, and my wife and I would walk for about an hour. And so I'm going to ask you to do a park course with me. A, B, C, D, and uh, E. One, admit and observe so you will realize that all persons will experience some form of pain and suffering. You see this every day in your television, now in your smartphones. 1,900 people so far have died in Israel, launched by Hamas, an unprecedented attack on Israelis. We just had a very recent wildfire in Northern Cal, and it burned 175,000 acres and Milpitas is only 8,653 acres. The inferno that engulfed Lahaina, and I was in Lahaina, that beautiful place. The, the fire burned 98 people and more than 2,000 buildings were leveled and most of them were homes. Since the Russian invasion began, 6.5 million Ukrainians have been displaced inside, and outside, 7.8 million are now refugees all over Europe. Yes, many people around this globe are suffering like you and me. But how do we move forward? We need to take the next step. How do we take the next step? 2B. Let's go to 2. Believe or acknowledge that Although we live in a wonderful, beautiful world, we need to agree it is a broken planet. Not only are people suffering, the planet, the earth is falling apart. Volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes, flooding, tropical cyclones, and severe winter storm events. Ladies and gentlemen, our earth is disintegrating and falling apart. I moved out of San Jose because I was trying to get rid of the San Andreas Fault. I watched a seismological study of this fault, and <laughs> I was just telling my dear sister there. Uh, they said in 50 years, because the coastal part of uh, California is moving, towards Oregon. So in 50 years, Los Angeles will be pretty close to San Francisco, about an hour away. That's good for me because my son and my grandson lives in Glendale. By then I would be 120 and he would be 53. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna work. <laughs> but, yes. Apostle Paul says something about this problem. Romans 5 tells, therefore, just as though one man sin and through one man, I'm sorry, sin entered the world and death. And all these illnesses, all these natural disasters, death through sin entered. So death spread to all mankind. Not only because of Adam and Eve's sin, but you and me. All mankind's sin. We, the people of the earth, we hurt, 
we insult, we discriminate, and I was a victim of so much discrimination in my first 10 years here. We pollute, we steal, we kill, and destroy one another. All these, because God in the beginning created Adam and Eve with the free gift of a free will. I was just talking to an engineer who is from, uh, the, uh, what is that place down there? Starts with a B, Bakersfield. He worked in San Francisco for a number of years, and he says the secret to life is choice. So I want you to remember two words, if you forget anything I said. Choose love. Choose God's love. We have a free will. Adam and Eve freely chose to disobey, to rebel, and disrespect God's law. Because of that, all of us humans, we do this. We say, I want to do my own thing. I want to do what feels good. And if I want it, I'm going to get it. And we sing the song, I did it. See, you know it. Others sing the song, I want to be me. You know, just me. Brothers and sisters, we know we live in a broken planet, but we live not with a broken God. God's not broken. Phil Yancey, I met him. He still had hair when I met him in 1976. Uh, he's one of my favorite um, authors because he addresses the young mind. If you have teenagers, go buy some of his books. He had a lecture and... Uh, he once said that he had a friend, Douglas, who went through so much pain and suffering, uh, accidents and illness. Phil said, how do you manage all this pain and suffering and still keep your faith? Immediately, Douglas said, do not confuse God with life. He said, I feel free to curse the unfairness of life and to vent all of my grief and anger at it. But I believe God feels the same way about that cancer and about that accident. Another one of my favorite authors is Dr. Tim Keller, who recently died of pancreatic cancer this May. He pastored one of the most difficult cities in America to be a pastor in New York. He said, the problem of tragedy and suffering and injustice is a problem for everyone. It is at least a big problem for non-belief or non-believers in God or as for believers in God. It is therefore a mistake, though an understandable one, to think that if you abandon belief in God, is somehow going to make the problem of evil, pain, and suffering easier to handle. I'm so glad to see my dear sister, Truck York. She's experienced so much pain and suffering early on in life, and I hope one day you will hear her testimony. Dr. Tim Keller, I read his book, uh, The Reason for God. It is such an amazing book. 
Let me uh, try to uh, put this together. In other words, if you do not believe in God of the Bible, it is still not going to help you deal with the problem of evil, pain, and suffering. But I came to bring the good news. In fact, the early settlers here, people would say, I come in peace. What I do is I come in pieces, you know. I'm just so broken. I'm so broken that when I come to people, they can tell I come in pieces. The good news is, even though we recognize everyone will experience some form of pain and suffering and believe we live in a beautiful but broken planet, we can still, by using our free will, I challenge you, if you're doubting Thomas, you can decide to consider that the loving, the merciful, just God of creation and of the Bible actually entered our space. He experienced our troubles, afflictions, and hardships. But he offered us a pain-free destiny in the next life. We want pain-free life now. He promises it in the next life. We first admit that all persons will experience pain. We understand we are in a broken world. But in our safari this morning, I want you to take the next step. What is the numbers? Number three step, which starts with the C. Consider, think, contemplate Christ's death and resurrection. This guarantees that one day all things will be made right. I challenge you, do your research. This is a historical fact. Some people want to say it never happened. Well, study the books. God will balance the books. The entire Bible is a historical record of what is wrong with this place and what God is actually or has done and actually still doing about what's wrong. God in the person of Yahushua, the Hamashiach, says, you will name him Yahushua because he will save his people from their sin. He lived with us. He came down. He was born into a very poor family and experienced all forms of pain and suffering. Uh, we might have to move out of Peter Criff. Uh, let's move next. I'm trying to cut it down because I, I'm giving space for my wife's little testimony. So here's what. We can live with pain and suffering with God. Or we could live with pain and suffering without God. If we live with pain and suffering with God, giving us hope and courage. Or we could live with pain and suffering without God and have only bitterness and despair. You choose. What do you want? No wonder with all my bitterness and despair, I was suicidal before I surrendered my heart to Christ. Because God became uniquely and fully human. The God-man. I call him the God in the bod. Okay? He knew firsthand the feelings of despair, rejection, loneliness, poverty, bereavement, torture, and imprisonment. And you could add insult to injury. Because God the Son showed up, we have now available to us comfort, strength to face the brutal realities of life 
and we can experience the Christmas message that God is truly Emmanuel, God with us. I lost my youngest adopted brother in 2020 to COVID. That really hurt because he was the youngest and he was only 49. Because God the Son showed up, we have comfort. Suffering actually did not end the life of Jesus. On the third day, tell me what happened. He arose. He came back to life. The tomb cannot hold him. This glorious miracle serves as a sneak peek. As it were in a movie, a teaser of what he is going to do with yours and my body. And what he's going to do with this broken creation. Because of the resurrection, this broken body, this broken earth will be remade, renewed, renovated, reborn, and repaired. How many of you want some repair? I need some up here, <laughs> and some over here, and some with my allergies. At one time, I thought I was allergic to people. Because every time I went out of my house, I was sneezing and coughing in my throat, like right now. There's too many people. Okay. Uh, Paul said in Romans 8.21 that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption. Into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. How, how many of you would like to be free? From disease, free from your wife, <laughs> your husband, your rebellious children. When you get to heaven, you don't have to deal with them anymore. Hallelujah. Okay. Some of you are so wonderfully married. Uh, you're laughing at me because I am happy married, but I'm full of pain and suffering. Okay. No amens. That is why my favorite apostle is Paul because in the middle of all of his struggle he said for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us any hallelujahs there by the way if I say hallelujah what I mean by that is you praise the Lord so if I say hallelujah what are you going to say no 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 praise the Lord you praise him who is it to you Yehovah is my Jireh. Yehovah is my Rafa. Yehovah is my Shalom. You know that? You should know that. Because when a person says hallelujah, he's not saying it to God. He said, God, you praise you. No, no. Hallelujah is a command. You praise the Lord. One, admit all persons will experience pain. Two, believe we live in a broken world. Three, consider Christ's death and resurrection because this guarantees that one day all things will be made right, not left, right. Then we can take the last step to resolve the issue of where is God when I am in deep, my son would say doo-doo. Uh, he would say deep yogurt, I'm sorry. Why did I say doo-doo? Okay, automatic. Uh, four, Here's your last step. Decide to grieve so you can recline into God's comfort and grace and be able to rep repurpose or recycle your life by moving forward to encourage others who are going to 
through the same trial. Isn't that a long step? Okay, we will do it one at a time. Joy, my dear wife of 46 years, read my sermon notes. He goes, you missed something. I said, what did I miss? Well, you write this down. So I did. Here's what she said. I am bent and always looking down. My face is in a constant frown. And I need to remind myself every day of the song in Psalm 3.3. Yahuwah is the lifter of my head. Then she raises her face again. She said, look up to him. Hold on tightly. Never give up because he is with you and right beside you. She continues, the Lord gives me strength and courage daily. What a pity if you let go of your only source of hope for joy and comfort in this world. I don't rejoice because of my pain. I find joy because of the presence of God in my pain and suffering. He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. She says, I want to finish my race. You want to finish your race? Then do this. She says, Jesus Christ is my JC. I thought she was talking about the club, JC. She says, Jesus is my joy and my comfort. Isn't that amazing that she could say that? Ah, she's beautiful. How many of you are in denial? That's in Egypt. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression. It's okay to not be okay. You can finally, after contemplating on all these steps of grieving, accept. Decide to grieve and then throw yourself in the arms of the one who could give you real comfort in the midst of your trouble. How many of you are going through major difficulty in your life? Raise your hand. Am I the only one? Oh my God, there's a whole bunch of us. God bless you. I really recently found a video series sponsored by Ligonier Ministries, author, Elizabeth Elliot. She suffered dementia for 10 years before she died. This costly call to the Amazonian jungle of Ecuador where her husband, Jim Elliot, was one of the five missionaries speared to death in 1956 while attempting to make contact with members of the Alkawaudani tribe. Elizabeth, along with her young daughter, dared to bring Valerie and live among this tribe who killed her husband. Whoa. She said, suffering is never for nothing. There have been some hard things in my life, but I can say, I know the one who knows, and I've come to see that it's through the deepest suffering that God has taught me the deepest lessons. She said, heaven is not here, it's there. If we were given all we wanted here, our hearts would settle for this world rather than the next. God is forever luring us up and away from this world, wooing us to himself and his still invisible kingdom. 
where we will certainly find what we so keenly long for. Remember that song we just sang? What if the trials, the heartaches, reveals that unsatisfied yearning that never will be satisfied in this planet? Where is God when you and I are hurting? The, the best place to look for, and here's my answer. Look for God in the middle of your pain. Jesus suffered. God suffered in Jesus. Jesus' stress was so overwhelming that Dr. Luke actually describes it, that he was showing signs of being in physical shock. He begged the father to take that cup away from him. And you know what was in the cup? A little child in a Sunday school class answered the question. She says, what was in the cup of, of Jesus was the anger, the wrath of God on sin and sinners. That's why he was crying because sin destroyed the planet. Sin broke the perfection of humans. He cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I know how that feels. He felt abundant. He experienced the pain of separation from his father. And again, I have to admit, we don't have easy answers for you today. But this is one thing we know. Jesus understands your pain. He identifies with yours and my suffering. And we believe he wants you to find comfort in him this morning. To come to him to bring your sorrow and stress, your pain, and your despair. Do we have enough time? Should I go for another few minutes? You'll excuse me? Oh, you're a beautiful human being. In fact, when Habakkuk surveyed all what was going on, he said, look at the proud. They trust in themselves. And their lives are crooked. But the straight ones, the righteous ones, shall live by their faithfulness to God. The just shall live by faith. Are you crooked or are you straight? You hear? No amens. Okay. Not only, sorry, not only does God care when you suffer... He cares so much that he chose to suffer for you so that one day you can spend eternity in a world without suffering. C.S. Lewis is another one of my favorite authors. He is a brilliant human being. He wrote Mere Christianity. He said, when asked about how much God cares about the problem of evil and suffering, the Christian, the Bible God, can point to the cross and say, this is how much. God loves you. This is how much God loves you. I should have put this down. That doesn't look good like this. Everybody go like this. It's good to exercise. Okay? This is how much God loves you. Okay. I erased so many of these quotes, but... So... If you use your free will today, you can find rest for your confused and clueless soul. 
you will find peace of mind. All you do is simply trust. The Proverbs said, lean on. The apostle said, cast your cares. With a humble heart, trust him using your free will and surrender and submit. Say this, surrender and submit. That's the key to the one who has the answers. Some of my questions when I was young are already being answered. For example, one day I was in a think tank of UC, uh, the UC system, and I was the only evangelical that attended that um, think tank. I was among Muslims and Jehovah's Witnesses and everybody else. I was the only evangelical. I cried again because God brought me back to our library when I was say, why have you forsaken me? The key to survival in this broken world is to experience the love of God. He will give you hope, peace, and like my wife says, joy and comfort. This can only be found when you completely dedicate, say it, completely dedicate your life to Jesus as your Lord without reservation. I said, I'll say what you want me to say, and I will say it to you today. I beg you all, I beg you all, come to Jesus. Come home, O prodigal. Be reconciled to your loving Heavenly Father. Lean on Him. Cast your doubts, your fears, your anger, because He cares for you. He sent His Son to die for you and me so you can experience a life one day where there will be no more sorrow and no more pain. Don't you love that? Okay. The Bible ends with a promise. It says, he will wipe away all your tears. Another thing in uh, the Old Testament says, he put all my tears in a bottle. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There will be no more mourning, crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. Coming home is what Christ Community Church of Milpitas wants to happen to you today. Come home. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Where do you begin? Why don't you pray with me? Say, to Heavenly Father, you're the source of all life. Every breath I take, come, take comes from you. Your name is holy and high and all should praise you. Thank you, Lord, because we know that you are the Lord and Master and as your servants, we determine today to do your will. Thank you for providing for our daily nourishment. Lord, merciful Savior, please forgive us of all our sins and in turn help us to forgive those who have sinned against us. Give us the strength to resist temptations and free us from the evil one and all our fatal attractions. 
We come to you because we're tired of chasing selfish pleasures, obsessing over possessions, and weary of trying to control our own lives. We surrender to you today and want so badly that peace that passes all understanding. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to invite you, um, anybody that's here um, for the first time, or maybe you're just kind of new or newish, I would love to uh, get to know you. And uh, right over here, you can meet with me, and I'll give you a tour uh, of the place, introduce you to a lot of friends of mine, different rooms. We've got food and cool people stashed in different rooms, and I'll take you around and would love to uh, introduce you. Um, maybe the message today uh, has brought up some things in your life and you'd like prayer. And we have a team of people right over here and uh, they will pray for you about anything that you're going, uh, going through. We'd love to do that. Thank you, Pastor Sam, so much for sharing with us. I hope that you'll just kind of say a, a benediction, a blessing over us now. May you find rest and resolution as you experience God's comfort in your pain and suffering. May you be fortified by his promises while you live in a broken world. May you rejoice in the solid fact of Christ's resurrection, which guarantees that all things will one day be made right. And may God's love and goodness sustain all of you, including your family, and fill your hearts and minds as you fully trust him. May he bless you, your loved ones, Today and for the rest of this week, may he give you his peace. Amen.